Do you like it when I shout at Dave? Yeah, because <laughs> I love your voices when you do that. Do you? <laughs> do you love my babble voices? Babble voices. Yeah, babble with a b. Babble voices. Hello, Ollie. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Sustainable 177. Welcome yourself, all to Sustainable 177. How the devil are you? Are you thoroughly bored with all this? I don't mean this. I mean, you know. This. <laughs> no, I, I think, you know, 15 seconds into this episode, I've, I'm still remarkably well engaged. Um, I am thoroughly <laughs> bored of the pandemic and everyone dying and our yes. government pretending that people aren't dying and stuff. Uh, yes, but otherwise, spiffing. How are you? I'm all right, old son. I'm all right. It takes more than being locked down to keep me down. You are the first person I've spoken to all day. And I've been awake for hours, Ooh. so make it good. Uh, we are your friendly little weekly environment podcast, ain't we are? Yes. All about people and the planet. And why, despite everything being nosed. And, as Baby Ol just said in the background, there being lots of rubbish in the sea... We can still have a bit of a chuckle about it every now and then. We should point out, shouldn't we, Ol, that there's going to be some baby all related interruptions in this episode. Yes, it's all getting... The logistics are getting quite interesting um, now that, that both <laughs> Mrs Ol and this Ol are working and um, babies Ol 1 and 2 are not in nursery. So we're going to have probably the occasional bit of commentary on Octonauts, which, if anyone hasn't seen it, is a, is a fine programme all about... A bunch of um, cartoony people who live under the sea and save the planet. So um, enjoy that. Very good. Uh, now, this is going to be a bit different. We've been asking for a few weeks for for your questions and we will give them answers. I was going to say for your questions and answers, but we just wanted your questions. <laughs> so this is going to be a special episode in which all we are doing is fielding questions from Babel listeners. And we're going to see how many we get through. We won't get through them all. We got loads and loads and loads. It was terrific. Thank you, Babel Army. It was great. Yeah. Um, so, yes, uh, what puns do you have for us all? I know you've got some puns ready. Well, it just goes to prove... I mean, a lot of these questions have come from uh, people who give us money on Patreon, which you can do, if you don't yes. already, by going to www.patreon.com forward slash sustainababble. Um, and it just goes to show that in terms of, you know, buying your way to babble stardom, the price is always right. <laughs> Very good. Uh, that's right, yes. Uh, we better get on with it because every second counts. But if you do get your question read out, you can consider it your big break. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe. And, you know, thank you very much if you sent us one of the blockbusters that we are going to deal with, uh, etc. and so on. Absolutely, yes. yes. No, we better get on with it. It's... Um it's it's twelve forty five, or or another way of that is saying fifteen to one, and um, let's hope that none of this is entirely pointless. So just the usual disclaimer: if we can just do our catchphrase for a minute, Ol, uh, Ol does work. 
see what I did there. Ol does work for environmental charities. Um, these are very much his own views. So if anything that we hear gets you annoyed right in the bullseye, it really, really sort of hits you in that bullseye of annoyance hole, uh, take it up with me or Ol, but not with anyone for whom we work. Yes? Yeah, uh, although if I say something really egregious and you play your cards right, I could get sacked. Very good. Uh, now, one other thing, we are experiencing minor audio difficulties. Uh, you might have heard, you might hear in this episode, you might have heard in a, a couple of the last ones, teeny bits of crackling on the line. That is just a symptom of our slightly knackered old equipment and doing things remotely. We're going to try and fix it. Bear with it. Sorry. Shouldn't be too yeah. much of a problem. Yes? It is annoying. I've, uh, yeah, I am really sorry. And I, and I should point out at this point that it's, as far as we can tell, it's very much, there's one. There's one, <laughs> right There's on cue. One. There's one. Very, yeah. very much not Dave's fault and very much Ol's fault. So although I'm always banging on about how he breaks things and doesn't look after his stuff, it does appear I've rather failed to look after my stuff. So I'm sorry, it's annoying, but please forgive us. Shut up and answer my question. Oh, very good. New section, all New, New section. section. New section. Ooh. Now, yeah, this was originally suggested to us by Babel listener Luke Hall, who said it would be really good if you guys did one of them episodes where people can ask questions of you. And we thought that is a good idea. And we put out appeals. So on our social media, in previous episodes, on our Patreon page, we put out appeals and said, is there anything you want Dave and Old to talk about? And we will try and talk about it. And we have had some questions... And they are a varied bunch, aren't they, Hob? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like quite a criticism. I, <laughs> I think they are a good varied bunch. They're, they're varied, but they're all good. Uh, and no, they're, they're good. Sorry. In, no, yeah. I did, yes, yes. I, did, yeah. I think they're good. They are good. Um, and it's, it's a, yet another of those instances where you realise that people do actually listen to this podcast. and Because, uh, you know, I know people listen and it's lovely, but most of the time it's just me swearing at you and you sort of forget that there are people listening out there who want to hear what we think about stuff occasionally um or at least put up with hearing what we think about stuff and that is lovely so thanks for thanks for letting us know you're there well speaking of you swearing at me all should we get to our first question this is from babble listener julia liebig i think you pronounce it um who actually asks us two questions. We're going to do them both because we like them both, right? And Julia's first question is, and I do like this question, and I think it understand, It shows a great understanding of the babble. Mm. First question is, what is your favourite swear word? <laughs> and I have a feeling, I have a feeling, all that our answer to this is the same, I think. Yes. Because um, there, there is one word that is that stands head and shoulders above all other profanities in the English language. Do you not agree? I think so. And it, and it seems to come, I particularly enjoy delivering it in the context of sustainable. Like when, when someone is talking babble, it just feels right to, to describe it as this. And it, I don't know, you can get, you can get a lot of, what's the word when you, when you're, uh, you're speaking into a microphone and there's like pops coming through, like sibilance or no. Oh, uh- uh plosives plosives that's right you get a lot of plosives Plosives. from saying this it feels it's satisfying it feels quite aggressive but not too fighty um should we say it together okay and and there's a massive delay on this line so this is going to be interesting it's all right i'll 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 edit it so we'll say it together it's all right okay one 
two, three. Bollocks. Bollocks. Language, Timothy. Oh, what a word. So good. What a word. And another... Another thing about it, so the Babel has got, we've always had a bit of a policy about swearing. When we, when we were first thinking about the Babel, an amazing six years ago, when we were first kicking the idea around <laughs> to do this podcast, isn't that terrifying? Anyway, carry on. Mm. We, we, one of the things we talked about is how sweary is it going to be? Now, Babel listeners will know that we beep out the naughty words, but we keep in the slightly naughty words um, because it's decision, isn't it? Po- pre-watershed, post-watershed type. And we, but but bollocks, definitely is a pre-watershed word. I yeah, Def, it's definitely all right to say it. And there is, you're right. There's something so wonderful about wrapping your mouth around bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want that to be like your catchphrase or your ringtone. I'm going to set that as the ringtone whenever you call me. And it's very much a British thing, isn't it? I don't think our transcontinental listeners will necessarily share the word bollocks no, but you should true. you should that's i don't think true. i've ever heard an american say the word bollocks if you're an american and you listen to sustainababel and you use the word bollocks write in and let us know you can contact us on email at hello at sustainababel.fish we're on the facebook at sustainababel or tweet us at the babble wagon i see right well let's hope no one calls this program a load of sloblock right moving on <laughs> Move yes. on to her second question. Julie, hang on, you've written Julie and Julia here. Which one is it? Oh, God. It's one of them. Great. It's one of them. Sorry, Julie, Julia. I think it's Julia. I'm going Julia, but it might be Julie. Well, Sorry. Well, how about we go Jules? Um, that that probably isn't what she wants to be called. But anyway, that person uh, has said, what are your favourite nicknames for each other? Uh, now, in answering this question, I realise I don't call you a nickname nearly enough. Um, no. But if I did, it would be one of two. Uh, one would be Brentford, because of your your what? your faux <laughs> East La- uh, West London salt of the earth. Oh yeah, I'm Dave from Brentford. This is a man who what spends. Mean, he spends. I am Dave from no, Brentford. No, shut up, shut up. I'm talking. This is a man who spends his entire <laughs> life considering the ethical rights and wrongs of carbon taxes and uh, green new deals uh, and transitional arrangement for workers. And of course, you know, likes nothing more than telling the world uh, how kind he is to fluffy animals. And I'll come on to that for my second nickname. But he wraps that all up to, to make sure he's got some sort of street cred. He wraps it all up in this Ray Winstone of the environmental world. And he's from Brentford. So that's why I call him Brentford. The other thing I might call him, which is a bit unfair because he's not this at all. Uh, and it's just be bit, me being a bit of an opportunistic so-and-so. But I do like to call him the militant vegan because, as you all know, mm. he will not stop ramming down our throats the need to stop ramming down our throats products off of animals. If you gain weight from too much chow, I will never call you a cow. I respect you and cows. Don't use cow as an insult. If you well, should we uh, should we talk again all about why it is you're not a militant vegan? Steve, if you're listening, do, do keep on pestering on about that. Because I reckon he, I reckon we can break him. 177 episodes in, I reckon he's re- just about ready to crack. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a question of thinking that I shouldn't be a vegan. It's a question of just not having the willpower to do it. That's all, that's all yeah. it is. Yeah, I don't really have a nickname for you. I used to call you Disney Princess, but I stopped it for all sorts of reasons. Firstly, because you just got a bit old for that. Um, but, the, you know, your hair is <laughs> your hair is endured. But also, it's just not very, you know, it's very kind of with the times, is it? Um, and I don't think I have a nickname for you otherwise. I'll have to get one. 
What am I going to call you? You are at the moment looking very for weddings and a funeral. So maybe I shall revert I like to that. the... No, it's nice. Maybe we should revert to the, the Hugh Grant that I've always kind of had. Maybe Hugh. I, I just wondered, maybe Hugh. Uh, I really feel, um, uh, in short, uh, to recap in a slightly clearer version, uh, in the words of David Cassidy, in fact. Excellent. Uh, very good. Well, let's move on to some of the slightly more serious questions. Um, or there's one more not very serious question, just a kind of logistical one, which we can which we can tick off. This is from Anna, um, who is one of our Patreon supporters. Thank you very much, Anna. Uh, she says, I've always wanted to know whether whilst recording episodes, uh, obviously not now, but before lockdown, you sit opposite each other, staring each other down, or whether you sit next to each other, staring at a wall. <laughs> Good question. Good Dave, question. Do you, do you uh, want to take this one? Well, Anna, <laughs> how do you think? Could you think of any radio shows ever that would be recorded with the two people looking the same direction at a wall <laughs> rather than looking at each other? Can you have a think about that for a minute, Anna. <laughs> have a think about that. <laughs> I'm not going to add to that. That's what I'm saying. In answer I'm not going to add to that. <laughs> no, we, we very much stare, stare lovingly. We didn't. So the, for the first ooh, two and a bit years of Babel, um, up until episode 23B, 23A, until episode 23A, that was the first episode we recorded uh, together. But for the first couple of first couple of years, anyway, certainly for the first year, most of the second year, we did it remotely as we're doing it now, which has pros and cons. The pros being you don't have to get out of your pants. You can do it from home. Or in um, my case, get, con- even get into your pants. Or you can get into your pants. Uh, the, the, the cons very much being it's better doing it in person. And we hope that our lockdown babbles are coming across okay crickly crackles notwithstanding but yeah it's better to do it in person not least because as per quite a lot of episodes you can throw things at each other and you can you know there's a whole episode where i threw bits of fruit at all which amused me fantastically i can't do that remotely you do also do your weird sort of like you think it's jokey and, and endearing i think it's creepy when you're like you'll come and stroke me or something Oh, next question. And this is one of those questions where someone has thought about it and it's clever and it's made us have to think about it. um, And that's hard. So uh, this is a question from Simon uh, and uh, another Patreon supporter, uh, Simon Massini Pullen. Pullen? 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 Pullen. 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 P-U-L-L-A-N. Pullen. My question in the style of Dave is very long. Thank you, Dave. Right. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Well done for noticing, Simon, that that is how Dave asks his questions. In order to save humanity and the ugly fish, we are supposed to take our pensions, etc., out of fossil fuels and invest in renewable energy, right? But right. Assad Raymond, episode 135, says that solar panels, etc., make us richer and the global south poorer. And right. Kate Rayworth, episode 77. Uh, Kate Rayworth says, we should be less obsessed with growth to save humanity and the ugly fish, right? So for those of us lucky enough not to live hand to mouth, what can we do to make the situation better or at least not inadvertently make it worse and not be penniless mm. when we retire? Not being facetious, should, be, should we be working until we die 
just a light yeah. one for you there. So there's a lot in there. Uh, all I think has got opinions on some of it. I just wanted to say a bit about the what you should do with your money. I think basically that is a question about what should you do with your money if you are lucky enough to have some, that you're in the ability to move around where you don't make stuff worse, right? All has views on the whole solar panels thing. Do you want to say your views about the solar panels thing? I just... I never, I never quite know where to go with that because, like, if Assad says it, it's generally right. Okay, like that, you can. You, that's a good rule of thumb. Anything Assad says yeah. is is probably correct because he's he's just a brilliant, brilliant human and campaigner and just gets it right. Much cleverer than us, and an awful lot cleverer than us. Um, but I do. I, I sort of feel like if we can't agree that solar panels are good, and that solar panels are just another expression of like you know imperialism and colonialism and extractivism. Go and listen to that episode and he'll put it much better than I did. But if we can't agree that they're good, then like, where, where, do, we, where do we go from there? Like, solar, solar panels are good, aren't they? And shouldn't we, so, if we've got yeah. a bit of money, shouldn't we get more solar panels going? Shouldn't we? Well, shouldn't I think we? His, well, I think oh, his God. point is about, like, solar panels are good. I don't think he's got a problem with solar panels as a thing. I think his point is about the materials and the minerals that go into them and the conditions under which they're extracted and all of that sort of stuff and it being part of kind of a very long legacy of, and it's particularly pertinent in the current context of national debate, of kind of racist, colonial, uh, imperialist uh, countries going over and nabbing other countries' stuff. I think that is his point, right? But you can't really um, so I think separate we those to, two you know, things, can you? You can't really say solar panels are no, great, well, but I just don't know how they're made because there are clearly ways you can have that that supply chain without all of the evils in it. But you can't just not have okay. the component parts. Like you've got to get those component parts. So wait a minute, we can just shut off the power. No such luck. It's solar powered. Solar power. When will people learn? I do think on the whole moving your money thing, important point, right? The Babel is not a financial advisor. There are many things the Babel is not. Christ financial no. advisors is one of them. And so I'm genuinely not about to tell you where to put your money, right? If you knew anything about my recent financial past, you would think that was a good <laughs> bit of advice, right? Um, I can tell you a few things what I have done. For God's sake, just do these things if you want to do them. But for God's sake, the babble is not a financial advisor, right? I, um, for a while, if I came into a few quid, like, you know, a bit of extra money, I would put it into, there's all these things you can do. You can crowdfund uh, renewable energy schemes, but you can also crowdfund things like um, anaerobic digestion schemes. That's a new one that I've chucked a couple of quid at. There's oh, an organisation called the, Abundance. Uh, play the anaerobic digestion music, Dave. Oh. <laughs> Oh, which is compost pow power off of compost basically if you want to know what that is um organization called abundance in with whom i am in no way affiliated but i chuck a few quid at that uh, you can do that uh, you definitely want to be making sure if you have a choice about where to put your pension there are you know better and worse places to do that so have a look at the organization called share action what are a very very cool organization and they do loads of work on that stuff I might tell you what to do it um we might, if we have time, we might get to this later. But I, I think one of the most important things you can do. I have talked about this before in the past. I think back in episode 126, I think something like that, when we were sort of freaking out about 1.5 degrees and what do we do about all of that. And I said, you know, there are things that I think we can do that are useful. And being sensible about where you put whatever money you have. And I take a sort of broad definition of that, right? I include within it like where you get your energy from, where you shop, uh, all of this stuff, you know. But also who you bank with. With, uh, 
where your pension is, all that sort of stuff. Um, there are choices you can make about that that are more or less green, more or less ethical. Make those choices. You'll find all the information on the web, definitely. But the most important thing I wanted to say is not don't just do it, but do what Keith Alexander did when I gave yes. him a bit of advice, right? Yes. So don't just take your money out of EG Barclays, right? Just to cite, I think, the actual example that Keith gave. But yeah. tell Barclays why you're doing it. Right. So like Keith, I think, marched into his local Barclays, I think, and basically said, I'm taking all my money out of you and I'm putting it somewhere else. And do you know why that is? It's because you're a bunch of inhoffs, right? And that is more effective than just doing it on the sly. Yeah. I I still almost nightly applaud in my head Keith actions there. Because that is that is it. And you know, it's always a badge of sort of environmental wokeness to have you know to loudly tell each other that you know we bank with whichever hemp powered um you know one person outfit that we has come along but what nobody actually has the guts to do is do what keith did uh, and i count myself in that like i i took my money out of barclays after a shamefully long period of time where i had my money with barclays but i despite telling myself to be more keith i i never quite got around to you know, firing off uh, an invective at them, which I will, I commit to doing, um, because if Keith can do it, we can all do it. Just an important legal disclaimer at this point. We use Barclays as an example. They're nah, probably not they're the, the worst. Hoffiest. They're the worst. <laughs> Are they the worst? They're up there. They're pretty bad. Okay, yeah. well, if you say so. HSBC are pretty okay. bad as well, but uh, oh. retail banks, Barclays are pretty much the worst, yeah. And what we mean by bad is they in some banks will just invest in any old stuff, any old coal projects, fracking projects, you know, squashing ugly fish projects, kitten desiccation projects. They'll just kind of invest in all of it, really. And other banks, for example, again, to pluck some out of the air, so banks like the Triodos, um, Friends of the Babble, not that they give us any money, but, you know, whatever. Um, they, they do better things. But, um, yeah. Do a bit of research, but the, basically there are always options. And the problem is, oh, the last thing I'd probably say about this, is I don't think anyone is perfect. Nope. You can really twist yourself in knots about this. You can really be like, some, some banks are better than other banks. Some banks are very, very good. Some banks aren't. And even the ones that aren't perfect will be, you know, they'll, they'll be trying. But for God, just just don't try and find something perfect. Just, just move your money a bit and that will help, is what I reckon. What aboutery, Dave? What aboutery? Do you know what I mean by that? No, I don't. What? How many words what was about- that you just said? Was that one? Just word? one. <laughs> just what one. A- what aboutery? Yeah. What aboutery? What aboutery? What aboutery is when, when you know, somebody says, "Oh, I'm going to move my money to Bank X because they're much better on uh, you know, right. fossil fuels or whatever," and then people who have no intention of actually exploring this for themselves will go oh well what about you know they they've got a hamster wheel which is powered by um dead dolphins uh that's my doorbell i better i, I better get it what hang on hang on Sell, send baby my doorbell that had better have been a very important delivery. I've just been swearing at you off camera for the last two minutes. I uh, Do you know what I thought it was going to be? I thought it was going to be Mrs. Ol, like, who just unable to find or can't be bothered to reach her keys. Um, 
at which point I was considering a kind of, don't you know what I'm doing? I'm recording a very important podcast and then um, and then instantly regretting it. But it turns out it was someone kindly delivering us one of the things we'd ordered. So there you go. It's nice. It wasn't your neighbours saying, what's all the shouting about? <laughs> is everything all right in there? Should we <laughs> is call everything the police? All right in- <laughs> and is it important? <laughs> Um, so this is a question from Claire Linton, another one of our Patreon supporters. And it's an interesting question, a timely one as well. Um, and it says, do you feel hopeful about the state of the world? And part B of the question, do you think it is important, I suppose, to feel hopeful about the state of the world if you are to work in the environment movement? Oh, I didn't get um, that. I answered a different question. Anyway. I Okay. I didn't realise she was saying, is hope important to be able to work in the environment movement? I thought she was saying, just generally, is it important to be able to work in the environment movement? Uh, well, you, I mean, answer the question that you've got, because we've got different answers. But that's how I, I interpreted it as saying, are you hopeful and do you need to be hopeful? That's how I interpreted it. Yeah. Um, now, the reason this is timely is because next week we have an episode kind of all about hope. Uh, we've we're already getting, recorded it. It's an interview with someone. We're getting very good at this, or rather, you're getting very good at this. This is pro production. This is this is teeing up <laughs> what is coming next week that we recorded ages ago that you've thought through. This is this is almost like a grown-up podcast. I'm oh, I'm proud of you, Dave. Anyone would think I had literally nothing else to think about. Um, so, yes, next week we're talking all about hope. So let's not bang on about it too much here because we do talk about it quite a lot then, or at least our guest does. Uh, but I always find hope. I don't know what you think about this. Oh, we, haven't, we haven't really shared notes on this. I always find the idea of being hopeful a bit odd. So people say to me, look, we, we, we have a bit of a habit of asking our guests, are you optimistic? Are you hopeful? And, and they're obliged to say a yes. A lot of people, <laughs> of course they are, particularly, you know, and, and go back and listen, for example, to our episode with um, Mark Linus, episode 171, where he's written a book which basically says we are all screwed unless <laughs> everything changes really fast, right? And then we asked him in the interview, we said like, yeah, but are you hopeful? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm hopeful. Um, you know, could, because the standard line tending to be, because if not, you may as well give up and go home, right? So... It's a bit of a strange question because none of us, I think by definition, none of us would bother doing any of this stuff if there wasn't a bit of us that thought it was worth doing it. Right? Yes. Surely. Yeah. Right? And the bit of it that makes it feel like it's worth doing is something that, that you might call hope, I reckon. But I don't know if it's particularly helpful because I could be hopeful of all sorts of stuff. I could be hopeful that my doorbell's going to ring in a minute and Kylie's going to be there, right? But that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Well, she would I mean, be breaking... Happen. Well, I suppose she wouldn't necessarily be breaking lockdown. If you were forming a new social bubble, to, is she single at the moment? I don't... Well, you're not single. No. Well, no. If she's single <laughs> and she joins your household... That's okay. So I just want, she wouldn't be breaking lockdown. I just lockdown. want to talk to her about her recording career. There's nothing, nothing terrible going on. Um, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen, does it? And I can be hopeful that humanity is going to come up with entirely new ways of thinking about its place on the earth, how it runs its economy, how it treats other species and what it means to be alive. That doesn't mean it's going to happen either. But I think maybe a better word for what I feel is just a sense of kind of, well, we have to try to make that happen because else what the hell are we going to do? Like, what else you got? If you haven't got a bit of something that kind of goes, well, 
I'm going to try and do something that feels like it's vaguely in that direction. Because what else you got? Yeah. Is that hope? I don't know. The, the, word, I don't, the word's a bit weird. I don't know if I like it. I was born in a little town called Hope, Arkansas, three months after my father died. <laughs> Get a haircut, hippie. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't really think that we have a good handle on the word hope. And this, this slightly foreshadows some of the conversation we have in the next episode. Uh, so I won't bang on about it too much. But do go and read um, a book by Rebecca Solnit called Hope in the Dark. And she originally wrote that at the beginning of the century, so 2002-ish, I think, or something, maybe, maybe a bit later. Uh, and she's written a new updated thing. So it's you know more relevant and everything. But she talks, obviously, there a lot about what hope is. And, and it's it's definitely not just sort of literally sitting around crossing your fingers about the future it's a much more active thing like you can't hope isn't a passive thing hang on i'm being shouted at yes stop what it's fairly damning criticism isn't it okay you need a week hang on a minute you wouldn't believe how long it takes to get these episodes done under lockdown oh for instance Hoping it's back. Hoping that my child doesn't piss where he's sitting without, you know, doing something to ensure that he doesn't piss where he's sitting is not really hope at all, is it? Um, oh, dear. What? Has it all gone wrong? No, no, it's gone very well. He's, he's, he's doing very well. I'm proud of him. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's a funny old one. It's not... You can't just sort of... There's a difference between hope and optimism and pessimism. Like optimism is just the assumption that everything's going to be all right. Pessimism is just the assumption that everything's not. And neither of those things are much use to people who are in the business of trying to change the world, which we all are to some extent. And I reckon people are listening to this podcast are to some extent. So, uh, yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because stuff does change and you can never see it coming when it does. And then suddenly it has. Um, But... I definitely have ups and downs. Like, I don't, I don't really, truly, in my heart of hearts, believe that everything's going to be all right. But I think we've got to throw everything that we've got at trying to make it all right. And I do believe in my heart of hearts that we can make it less shit. And I think that's important. Very well, I accept. A man may fight for many things: his country, his principles, his friends, the glistening tear on the cheek of a golden child. But personally. I'd mud-wrestle my own mother for a ton of cash, an amusing clock, and a sack of French porn. (laughs) Hurrah! Right, okay, next question. This is from Shannon King on Patreon. Shannon actually asked a thousand questions, (laughs) um, but this is... This is, this is one of them. No, it's fine. It's good. I, I approve. You know, chuck enough balls at enough coconuts. Win a fish, don't you? Now, uh, hang on a minute. I'm going to return with a prop. If you could read the question out, that'd be helpful. Okay, fine. So Shannon's question. Number one was, when you get up in the morning, what is your inner anthem slash earworm? Oh, yes. God. What's he right. going to Oh, God. Oh, no. This has gone full kumbaya. He's got his guitar out. Oh, my God. This is what literally nobody wants. Hooray! Very good. Now, this isn't in tune, and it's only just occurred to me that we can do this. So, uh, you you, uh, you name it, I'll play it. What's your inner anthem? 
Oh, I thought you were going to play what you was in your ears this morning. Well, I can if you want. It's a bit odd, though. And so, firstly, I don't have, I don't think I have one of those, apart from maybe the theme tune to Wallace and Gromit, sort of as I walk around the streets. Go on then, play that. I don't think I have a. a uh, no, that's too hard. But, uh, <laughs> I, but I, I did wake up this morning, so this is going to have to do with the music from the Thorpe Park advert when I was about eight, <laughs> uh, which I can still remember all of the words to, uh, very much in my head. Uh, you're probably not old enough to remember it, are you? No. Uh, I don't know. No, you know, the, when you meet the Thought Park Rangers, you won't believe the fun. In one day we can arrange a fortnight's fun in one. That one. In one day we can deliver Treasure Island, Thunder River, all the sights and all the shows, a teacup ride and a train that goes when you eat the Thought Park Rangers. It's a fortnight's fun in one. Off the N25, Junctions 11 and 13. What the hell was that? That's yeah. just... Your brain never ceases to amaze me. Not because it's like a wonderful... It is a wonderful brain, but it's a it's a splendidly odd brain. And I love it all the best. Um, the, well, the correct answer for me... Um, I'll tell you exactly what I heard uh, when I got up this morning. Um, and it was this. Boo! Now, if that hasn't broken the microphone, I don't know what will. Um, <laughs> would, that, that be, would that be... Mrs. Ole playing one of her tricks. <laughs> no, no. Mrs. Ole, like me, was desperately trying to get some sleep. And uh, baby Ole number one had woken up and uh, he'd never done this before. Um, like oh. snuck into our room uh, unnoticed. Oh, God. And uh, a distance, I might say between two and four centimetres, um, said boo at the top of his lungs in my lug hole. It does sound horrific. Right, second question from Shannon is, slightly more seriously one, what are your thoughts on the rural-urban divide in terms of wildlife and green space, conservation and ecology? What do you think this means? Oh, it it means whatever. How do you interpret this? It means whatever I want it to mean. Uh, Well, she said, what are our our thoughts on the rural-urban divide? So I've got some thoughts. Um... I am fascinated by this one. I'm really fascinated by this one. And partly I'm fascinated by this one because I grew up in the country and I live in the not country. I live in a big smoky, well, not very smoky anymore, but dirty city, as you all know. Uh, So I have got sort of sympathy with both camps. And that's the point. There are camps. It seems like it is a big divide that people who live in cities think that people who live in the country are just a bunch of gun-toting racists who like shooting foxes and spraying napalm all over anyone and anything. Um, And people who live in the country think that people who live in cities are a bunch of lazy, do-gooding, leftist, liberal avocado toast munching frappuccino ordering wouldn't know a hard day's work if it smacked them in the face softies who also have absolutely no appreciation of the natural world and how it all works um and obviously sentimentalists sentiment always crying about things yes yes tiny little dead rabbits always crying about that Exactly. And as with all caricatures, you know, both are grossly unfair, but there are, there are elements of truth in in both of them. And 
I don't know. It's a, it's it's not a helpful divide. Is any help? Is any divide helpful? No, obviously not. But you do feel like we're going to have to crack this one if if you're going to get like the vast majority of everybody on board for the huge transformation that is going to have to come. There are kind of weirdnesses about it as all well. some some things that you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily think. So everyone gets very upset about. Um, traffic in cities like air pollution and carbon emissions that come from traffic in cities but people in the countryside use their cars an awful lot more than people in cities do for obvious reasons so really if you want to look at like bang for your buck on carbon impact you should try to massively improve urban uh, rural public public transport like but that's not sexy because all the money goes to cities right uh, that. Yep. you know and and conversely uh living in a city is actually a pretty efficient way to use land to use space to use heat because uh, we're all crammed in together sharing much less space that in many ways it's it's efficient but we totally rely on the countryside to do all the hard work for us so when you've got your avocado on toast that's people well not living in this countryside but you know mexican countryside or whatever but yeah you, you, anything on toast is coming from the countryside where people are working back breaking jobs to get us all our stuff but we don't notice it because we're too busy signing a petition so i don't know what i think i think it's fascinating i think (laughs) it's complicated i think it would be really great if the people who turn up for the countryside march could like join hands metaphorically maybe even literally with the people who turn up for all the climate marches because they are two different groups of people but ultimately fighting for the same thing Another question from Emma on Patreon, which uh, I'll just do so briefly. And she was saying, do you think coronavirus is going to make people move away from London? Which is sort of, you know, an evolution of the last question, right? Mm. Like, will will the changes that the pandemic reach sort of maybe affect that rural-urban divide a bit? And I think they could do, you know. It's quite a number of people what I know. And admittedly, you know, I know a very sort of little sliver of the type of people that live in London. There's a lot of people what I know who are thinking, well, I've just demonstrated that I don't need to be able to go to my office all the time in order to do my job. Therefore, I may as well go and have that nice house in the country I've always wanted. Um, And I wonder what that sort of writ large might do for where people decide to live, what it might do for the London property market, what the collapse in all of the kind of construction that's going on, you know, into which our pensions are tied up, back to Simon's question from earlier on, what all of that might do. I wonder if it might have all sorts of sort of unheralded effects, probably loads of which won't be desperately good news for people who currently live in the countryside, but maybe it will. No, well, especially when someone knocks on their door and says, um, hi, yeah, yeah, uh, sorry, is there anywhere I can get some avocado toast and a soy latte frappuccino? Because, uh, like, nowhere's open at all. Listen, we're bona fide, we're not from London. If you can, you know, go and live halfway up a Munro and fire off a couple of emails and call that work, uh, for you know sixty grand a year, uh, then then I'm sure uh, you will, and that'll be lovely. But not that lovely for all the people who uh, still have to trundle into a factory or a city to catch coronavirus and clean stuff and make stuff on your behalf. So there you go. That could be we could be staring at another massive chasm between the haves and the haves nots. <laughs> Um, so Kaylee on Patreon says, good question, this all. Very interested to know what you think. When you encounter someone who simply doesn't care 
about the environment or the effect of their actions on the world or other people, how do you approach talking to them? How do we encourage people who don't care to care? What's your answer to that? Well, I refer you to the answer to uh, my answer to the first question and indeed your answer to the first question. Um, it, it, bollocks, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's generally, generally <laughs> used with the word bollocks. Um, the honest truth is I find it really, really hard and I hate myself for finding it hard, but I do find it hard. And I think in a pathetic kind of way, I still find it really difficult to say things that I know will make people not like me. Or to put it the other way, I'm so desperate for people to like me that I'm prepared to sort of hide my own real feelings and compromise the integrity of a conversation in order to make sure they don't hate me. And I wish I didn't do that. Do you mean if you're sitting around the... If you're sitting around the dinner table with your um, with your fictitious gammon uncle yeah. who is belching on about how climate change is all made up and it's all the fault of these bloody foreigners, you won't say, sir, prithee, that is nonsense and I hereby defeat you with my 12-point debating plan. You will just say, yeah, you're right, uncle. Pass the, pass the gammon. <laughs> um, is that true? No, I mean, well, certainly with like, you know, with the people who can't run away, i.e. family, um, I do allow myself to get all worked up and teenage about it and, and treat them to a polemic which they neither want nor tolerate. <laughs> why, why, why won't you listen to me? It's not right. Don't you watch the news? Don't you watch the news? Why don't you care? Um, uh, yes, I didn't realise you had audio from uh, our, our front room, but um, please tell me where the bugs are and I'll rip them out. Oh, that is so unfair. I hate you. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely will, will bang on to my to my family, and um, I don't want to paint them in a too unfair a light. Like my family are not climate deniers, but at the same time, we do end up having frustrating conversations. Put it that way. Um, but I don't think it makes a blind bit of difference. I think, I don't think I've yet found a way to engage in conversation or sort of heated conversation with my family where the outcome is they go, that is a really good point. And I will, I will look into that and and probably change my mind. They just think, oh, Ollie's getting worked up again. I'll go and see if the the dog needs walking. That's the point, isn't it? Like if there's someone, generally I don't bother. So I, I mean, I, I, my version of yours is that if there's someone who thinks that climate change is all made up and it's fine to grind plastic into the earth and all that sort of stuff, like there is probably nothing that I, as a avowed, obvious, militant vegan greenie, are going to be able to do to change their mind. Yeah. If anything, I will more entrench what they think. Go back and listen to our interview with Jonathan Rousen, 163, for a lot on this. Like, you know, the, the comms research, all the, all the research and communications basically says that the messenger is as important as the message, right? Yeah. So it isn't going to be me that changes the mind, directly anyway, of someone who is a massive Inhofe. But those people's minds can change, and they can change really fast because societal norms and the way that we all think and what we have cultural permission to think and what's allowed and not allowed and what is common sense can change really fast. And so basically, focus on like 
persuading people who are open to be persuaded and then try not to be too much of a massive dick when you're talking to people who won't be persuaded because like the best outcome is probably that they don't think they don't feel any more hostile to the environment than they did when you got there for those people i reckon yeah but i do have like going back to the question about hope i I do think this stuff can change really fast i do think like that force of what society thinks is all right can change so fast particularly fast in this day and age as you know we're seeing over the last month or so right yeah um so yeah that's what i reckon but don't waste your time do not waste your time but that's so, if someone that, is a climate denier or a skeptic trying to say oh, yes but what about graph 4.4 of the united nations into you know don't bother don't bother uh one thing that does annoy me though i will bang on about this mm. briefly if you will allow it is i get so bored so so bored of people sort of Coming up to me, looking for some sort of, uh, I don't know, pat on the head because they've bought something like not made of plastic or that <laughs> like they ate something that wasn't previously an animal that was alive once. Oh, and, and it's I like... I bought this wooden straw. Oh, look, I've bought a wooden yeah, straw. Yeah, here you go. Like, well, you it, know where you can put it. <laughs> and it's like, what, what do you want? Like, well done. And, it, and it's... They're, I guess they're desperate to feel like that they have done the right thing, but it plays into this idea that we as environmentalists, as people who are trying to save the sodding planet, are judgmental, that we are we are here passing judgment on everything. And most of the time, I couldn't give a shit what everyone else is doing. So it, it annoys me on two <laughs> levels. One, I don't, like, I don't really think that you buying that wooden straw is the great act that you think it is. And two, I'm not the judgmental bastard that you think I am, but now I'm high-pitched and screaming, and so you, you think I'm judgmental and it's all bad for it. Right, that is just about it for another episode of Babble. 177 of them. 177. 177 times we've done this. <laughs> Yes. I know. Well, more, more, I know more than that actually, because there's some we did like half episodes and stuff. Yeah, I know it's terrifying, isn't it? Uh, very, very scary. God. Thank you very much, all, for still turning up despite everything. Uh, thank you for putting the headphones on, baby, all, and only occasionally having to take him for a wee. And thank you for all of your answers to all of those questions. It's very, very interesting. I quite enjoyed doing that. Yes, thank you as ever to. What to you, Dave, for being wonderful and clever. And, um, oh, no, not Dave. Sorry, Brentford. I shall now call you Brentford from, uh, for, from here to eternity. Thank you to Dickie Moore for the wonderful music that begins and ends and intertwinkles this podcast. Thank you to Arthur Stovall uh, for designing our lovely logo, logo, which has been aped by horrible greenwashing corporations who want to look like they've got nice cuddly podcast but more importantly is also on our t-shirts what you can buy from our website which is www.sustainababble.fish yes and lots of the thank you more than anything else to the people who sent us questions for this uh, episode they did that by emailing us at hello at sustainababble.fish they did that by getting a hold of us on facebook at sustainababble or on the twitter at the babble wagon and or they did it through their support for the babble on patreon which is a way you can chuck in the price of a pint or a couple of bag of crisps to help dave and i'll do this podcast and keep it on the road which you can do at wobbly 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 slash Dana Babble. Very good. Right, that's it. I'm going off to throw this microphone in a bin. 
um, and asked myself no. a, a whole load of searching questions that I don't really want to know the answer to. I think surely there's got to be a better way to dispose of a clue. You're not actually going to put it in the bin, are you? No, I doubt it. It'll go in my tray of uh, my bucket of consumer electronics that I kid myself into thinking I will one day fix or at least learn how to fix. Has it got any SCART, SCART cables in there? Yeah, exactly. In there. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. With my mini disc uh, yes. player. We should be back next week in a guaranteed crackle-free episode, because we've already recorded it, um, with an interview with one of the environmental movement's most impressive and leading lights. So we're going to be doing that. Um, so, yes, good. We shall see you then. In the meantime, have a splendid time, old bean all, and try not to get too wet in all this rain, what we're suddenly having. You too. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.